I want to read to you a, a letter that a f- dying father wrote to his son. And it goes like this. As my life here on earth comes to a close, I often think of the legacy I leave for you. I often think of the legacy you will leave. I wonder how memory will color me in your eyes. Though I cannot know what you will do with the lessons that I offer, I want to impart a few gifts of wisdom to you that I've accumulated over the years. My hope is that you will take them into your life to make it bigger than mine ever was. As you are already such a compassionate and caring young man, I imagine you will be even more so as you grow old. I have no doubt that you will be a man who is filled with a quiet strength that can only be born from a deep, confident concern for the world. Never lose that. I never had it, and I don't want you to lose it. It makes you already greater than your father, and that is all we fathers want from our children. Give often and deep from the stores of your blessings. Be a light to the world and never a shadow. You are going to make mistakes, my son, some big and some little. If your mistakes be small, laugh them off. You should always be comfortable laughing at yourself and never try to take this living too serious. If your mistakes be larger, laugh them off and learn from them. Big or small, a mistake is nothing for regretting. Learn how to dance, how to tie a tie, how to fix a sink, and how to mend a broken heart. Never be afraid to cry and never be scared of the tears of another. Read poetry and memorize the poems that strike your soul. Read everything. Keep a book with you always. Come to love and spend as much time as possible in the outdoors, camping, hunting, fishing, hiking, running, living. But come back to the world with manners of a prince. Live full of passion and purpose. Travel often everywhere and live among the natives. Learn new languages and new customs and make friends with the world. Be vulnerable. Love and respect everyone to the amount which is proper. Know how to carry on a conversation and how to make the world laugh, but recognize the need for sincerity and give your shoulder often to those to cry upon. When a friend calls, answer. For a true friend walks in when others walk out. Learn to appreciate the arts, support causes, work with your hands and your heart and your mind and your soul, and be a little bit of the everything that a man should be in this world. Never give up on the sillies, my son. Never stop laughing. When your children are born, carry on our tradition of tickle fights and puddle jumping. Teach them of our sword fights in the rain. Your mother never liked the rain because she knew the outcome of the laundry basket. Teach your children the differences that emerge from right and wrong. Let them sit in your lap often even as adults. Look them in the eyes when they speak. Teach them as 100 teachers. Don't let the world steal your wonder. Chase your dreams and ideas and passions. For those colorful things that come into your life will beg you to be pursued and appreciated. Never stop loving, not ever. Giving your heart to another is beauty and action. Raising children is beauty and legacy. My son, my single greatest want for you is that you love God with your entirety.
Never allow your pursuit of Him reach complacency. God must never become the status quo. He must be before all things. After all, He will make your life worth living. Find Him early, explore Him often, and embrace Him fully. Never lose your sense of discovery with God. What you find will change your life and the life of those around you. My second greatest want for you is for you to understand that your choices could possibly end the legacy of my grandfather. He didn't get everything right for my father, but the choices he made later in life allowed him to finish well. My dad struggled with some of his own choices. He too realized that finishing well was much bigger than starting strong. My dad became my hero for his choices. As my final day approaches, I think back to the day I chose to finish well. You were five. It was a hot summer Saturday. Rain began to pelt our roof. The disappointment in your eyes could be seen for miles. Staying inside was not an option. The screen door felt the punishment as you and I grabbed mom's broom and mop and headed to the backyard. The screams of your joy were unstoppable. The look on your face and mom's face was worth it all. It didn't take long for you to figure out what our day would be like. Sword fight after sword fight while trying to drink raindrops. Mom claimed she didn't like our rain-a-day sword fights. Guess who bought the two mop handles she hung outside by the back door for our special days? My son, as you read this, my funeral service has come and gone. My final wish was for mom to give you this letter on the first rainy day after my passing. Please remember often what the Apostle Paul said about his legacy. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. I have said a lot to you in this letter, but I will never be able to say enough that will express the love I have for you. Son, my love for you will always be there because it has no way to escape. It is too much for the universe to remove. I will never be gone from you and you will never be gone from me. That is the legacy I leave you. Love eternally your father, your friend, and your biggest fan. P.S. Let your children win the sword fights as I did. Tonight, I want to talk to you about your legacy. See, back when I was in my 20s and 30s and 40s, I, I didn't really think much about my legacy. But now that I'm in my mature age, I've been thinking a lot about it lately. And, and one of the reasons why is that when we do funerals, when we get asked to do funerals of people that we don't know, we our goal is to try to make it very personal. And so what I do is I'll meet with the family and, and I'll begin questions like, tell me what they did for a living. What were their hobbies? And then I get to some very hard questions. And I will ask the family, tell me about their life. Tell me how they've made an impact in your life, in your family's life. Tell me about their legacy. And sadly, sometimes the answer I get is only they were a good person. 
And there's been an occasion where it, it, it happened a couple years ago where I wanted to say, you, but you've known this person for over 30 years. That's all you've got. And, and sadly, they just basically say, yes, that's all I've got. Too often people think of legacy in terms of money. Rob, I'm not a, I'm not wealthy and rich and famous and, you know, I can't leave much for my family. Some people look at possessions as a legacy. You say, Rob, I, I'm not a millionaire. I don't have property to leave my family. Some people will say, well, why leave anything to the family? They're just going to spend it. I'd rather leave it to my dog. Some people say, my family's so dysfunctional or my life is so simple, I, I don't have anything to offer anyone. It's natural to define legacy in those terms. Some people also look at legacy uh, with, with sports teams. Uh, in the 90s and early 2000s, the Atlanta Braves uh, won 14 straight divisional titles. Four members of that team made it to the Hall of Fame within five years. That's never going to be seen. That, that's legacy. A lot of people look at that. Tom Brady, I don't want to say that too loud. Legacy, right? But that's not the kind of legacy I want to talk to tonight. And I want to start off by giving you a definition, and it's going to be on the screen, of legacy. Legacy is not leaving something for people. It's leaving something in people. Let me repeat that. And you might want to write that down because it can change your life. Legacy is not leaving something for people. It is leaving something in people. And tonight I want to just share a very brief, very practical message on how to leave something in people. Some of you may say, well, Rob, I'm single. I don't have a spouse. I don't have children. Well, you do have a family here at church. Amen? You say, Rob, you don't understand my situation. There's, there's a lot going on. I've had a rough patch. And this message is for you. Rob, I'm, I'm divorced and, and, and I don't really have connection anymore to the family. And this message is for you. No matter your relationship status or family status, I would hope that you would pay very close attention because I want to offer you some hope tonight through a story in the Bible that shows a family who went through some things and who overcame. It's a story of a father and son, David and Solomon. And I want you to see this, uh, this table, if you will, up on the screen it's got three columns. And if you notice in the first column under triumph, this is David. I want you to read these very carefully and look at what happened. Look how he started life. Anointed him king of Israel. We all know the story of him defeating Goliath, right? He became a hero in Saul's army, conquered Jerusalem, defeated the Philistines, a man after God's own heart. Wouldn't you agree that that would be somebody who started strong? Amen? But look what happened at some point in his life under tragedy. He was forced to live on the run, had a relationship with Bathsheba. He arranged the death of Bathsheba's husband. The son of David and Bathsheba passed away. Amnon, who was David's son, did some things to his sister. He became angry at God. So you see the triumph and you see a rough patch in his life. But look at what happened as he's approaching his final days. He's having a sword fight in his backyard with his son. In Scripture, God says, David, you are my servant. I have been with you wherever you have gone. I've cut off your enemy. Your name will be great. Your offspring will succeed. Your son shall rule. 
You see triumph, you see tragedy, but you also see how somebody finished well. And that's what I want to focus on tonight is how did David manage to turn things around? I mean, if you look at tragedy, you can check all the boxes. Dysfunctional family, check. Emotional upheaval, check. Oh my gosh, you could check every box. Just when you think everything was going good, everything started to crumble. But he turned things around. And I want to just share with you three things that David did that we can do. And so I believe that leaving a lasting legacy requires three things. Have you ever heard of the uh, acrostic OMG? How many of you have ever heard that? Y'all, you, you probably texted that today, didn't you? At some point with a smiley face, with a side kiss, with a, one of those things, right? How many of you texted OMG today? Let me see you. Come on. Somebody has got, was it only me? Uh, thank you. I have an acrostic tonight. It's not OMG, but it's AMG. The A stands for adjustment. David made an adjustment. If we see in Psalm 40, verse 13, by the way, this psalm was written near the very end of his life. Look what it says. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me, O Lord. Come quickly to help me. Remember, he started off good, but he had some tragedy. See, I believe this, that he realized that his legacy was about to end. That there was nothing that good that was going to be passed on from him to the next generation, his son Solomon. I believe when he got to the end, he said, you know what, I, I've got to do something different because this rough patch is really rough. What he did was he just simply made an adjustment for help. You see, many people stay in cruise control when they hit a rough patch, when they're nearing the end. A rough patch of unforgiveness. Throw in a little bit of regret. A little bit of dysfunction. And things are beginning to crumble around. See, they're, what, what's, the issue is that they're not looking at the next generation. They're not looking at what they can pass on in them. Amen? I want to show you real quickly in Deuteronomy how to do that. How to... Make an adjustment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's for David. These commandments I give you today. And they are to be upon your hearts. Right? I think that ministered maybe to David, even though it's in Deuteronomy. God is saying... Got some things for you to do, my friend. And I'm sure David said, Lord, how do I do this? And look what he says. Impress them on your children. In other words, the next generation. Lord, in other words, make it happen. Make an adjustment. He says, talk about them when you sit at home. Hmm. When you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. See, I believe the Lord was giving the next generation some commands on what to do. The Lord said, impress them on your children. Make them happen. Give them of your time and talk about things instead of, as Pastor Brandon said Sunday, on your phone. Amen? You see, the enemy would want nothing more than to create a gap between you and your friends, you and your co-workers, or you and your children. And that gap is called avoidance. 
I'm going to avoid them. I'm going to avoid all the issues. I'm going to avoid the dysfunction. I'm just going to walk away. I'm going to run away. I'm not going to deal with anything. I'll just get out of this world and hopefully no problems will come. So let me ask you this question. What will people say at your funeral? Are they going to talk about your legacy? Are they going to say, like David, man, they, they started out pretty strong. They had some rough patches, but they were able to overcome them. And they were able to finish well. Or, well, they were a good person. You see, making a difference by making adjustments will leave a lasting legacy for your family and for your friends and for your family. Amen? Leaving a lasting legacy, number two, remember AMG is movement. So A is adjustment, M is movement. Look what it says in 1 Kings. Not long before David died, he told Solomon, in other words, there was a conversation. He says, my son, I will soon die as everyone must, but I want you to be strong and brave. And look at verse 3. Do what Fox News commands and follow Oprah's teachings. Obey everything written on your Facebook account so that you can be successful no matter where you go. Is that what yours says? Wait a minute. No, 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 no. Do what the Lord your God commands. In other words, make some movement towards your God and follow His teachings. Amen? Obey everything written, not on Facebook, but in the law of Moses. Then you will be a success no matter what you do or where you go. You and your descendants must always faithfully obey the Lord. If you do, He will keep the solemn promise He made to me that someone from our family is going to pass down some legacy and become the King of Israel. What a beautiful picture of a conversation between a father, a dying father, and a son. Sounds familiar, right? That first letter I wrote, uh, I read. You see, David knew that in order to leave a legacy for his son, that he had to impress upon his son that, son, you're going to have to make some movement towards a relationship with Jesus Christ. What he said was, do, do what the Scriptures say. If God says to obey, then you simply obey. If God says to forgive, you have to forgive. If God says you got to give some grace, he, He's going to show you how to do that. When we move towards God, there's things that happen in the supernatural on our behalf. Amen? If you find yourself stuck in an emotional, dysfunctional pit, His Word gives us the answer. If you find yourself loaded down with anxiety, because that's real stuff, God's Word can help you. Movement towards God can help you in every situational thing that comes your way. Again, keep in mind, legacy. In Deuteronomy, I love this. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. <laughs> Amen? It's time to get this legacy thing kind of in the right direction. And he says, Solomon, you, you, need to, you need to pursue God. You need to have some movement in your life towards God. I want you to be teachable. I want you to learn. I want you to obey. I want you to listen. He says, break camp and move on. He said, I want you to fellowship with others. I want you to be in a life group at Family Life in a couple weeks. I want you to come to the XO conference. 
I want you to sign up tonight. I want you to come to the men's fish fry to fellowship with other men. Amen? David knew what he was doing. This wasn't a little kumbaya conversation he was having with his son. This was important to David because of triumph and then tragedy. He knew that he had to do something different. So he said, my son, you got to not only adjust, but you got to move towards God and pursue him with everything that you have. Look what it says again. I'm repeating what we just read in first Kings two. David says, my son, you and your descendants, in other words, my grandchildren, my 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 children's 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 children. Must always be in movement towards God. Amen. What he was saying was, Solomon, we got to keep this legacy thing going. We can't break it. Movement towards God will indeed make things happen in your life and in your family's life. That can only be a testament to your faithfulness, but also a testament to the nature and character of God. Amen. Listen, you may not hit the target every time, but that's okay. David didn't hit the target. Who hits the target every time? No one does. But by God's grace, we can dust the the, the the sand off of our feet and we can move forward to a relationship with Him. Amen? And make a difference in others. Finally, leaving a legacy requires G. Remember AMG? Generosity. And this is where it gets really good. First thing David did was he became generous with his time. It says, after David finished speaking, i got to set this up. This is so cool. He had assembled the leaders and the people. Come to the temple. I've got something to say. But then look what he does. After he finished speaking to everyone else, he says, Solomon, we need to go to Jet Coffee. We're not going to go in the drive-thru because it's so long, it's on Johnson Street. We're going to go inside because the governor has lifted the ban, so we can go inside. He says, we can now sit down and have a man-to-man conversation. He says, I want to spend some time with you. And here's the reason why. It says, after David finished speaking, he gave Solomon the plans, the blueprints for the building, for building the main rooms of the temple. Got to let you know, God said, David... I'm giving you the plans, but you're not the builder. Your son will be. And so this is the transfer of contractor to contractor. He says, I'm giving you the plans for the building, the main rooms of the temple, including the porch, the storerooms, and the rooms upstairs and downstairs, as well as the most holy place. He gave Solomon his plans for more than that, for the courtyards and the open areas around the temple and for the rooms to store the temple treasures and gifts that have been dedicated to God. Sounds like he wants to spend some time, valuable time with his son. David also gave Solomon his plans for dividing the priests, the Levites into groups, as well as for the work that needed to be done at the temple and for taking care of the objects used for worship. David was taking so much time. He was getting into the details of what was going to happen in this building, including the lampstands and the lamps, the gold table which held the sacred loaves of bread, the tables made of silver, the meat farts, the bowls and cups. We're going to need that in a couple of weeks, Pastor Brandon. We're going to need some meat farts and some bowls and some cups, the gold incense altar and the gold statue of the chariot of the winged creatures that were on the lid of the sacred chest. See, I believe if you want to leave a lasting legacy, you got to be generous with your time. It boils down to two things. Look what it says on the screen. Presence versus presence. Do you get that? 
You see, our children and our grandchildren, our friends, our co-workers, listen, you may be a great gift giver, and, and that is incredible. But giving your presence, E-N-C-E, I think is more valuable than E-N-T-S. Amen? My granddaughters, Ava, Stella, and Everly. Ever since they were little, Pop and his grandchildren have a meshes date once a month. And if somebody was in the booth that we always get, when you walk in the meshes, it's to the right, it's in the corner. Listen, when this COVID thing lifts, watch out. And if you're in my seat, my grandchildren are going to kick you out because that's our booth. Don't be messing up our booth. I know what they want. I know what donut they want. We got the order down pat. And just the other day, they said, Pop, we miss our meshes date. You see, it's not the donut. It's not the presents, E-N-T-S, they want. They want my presence. And then they want my presence across the street at the playground. This date keeps on giving and giving and giving. Michelle and I, we uh, love to take them to Sonic. We'll go to Sonic and open up the back hatch and it's picnic time. It's on. It's become our thing to do in COVID. Again, it's not about the hamburger. Well, it, it might be for me, but anyway. <laughs> the tater tots are amazing. Anyway, let's get away from food. But you know what I'm saying? It's the presence. It's our presence with our granddaughters. Trips to the library. Uh, a few months ago, um, both Ava and Stella wanted me to build them. Uh, Stella wanted a couple bookshelves. Um, and and, and uh, Ava wanted a, a sort of a table on the side of her bed. And Mel Michelle and I were talking... How about we get them involved in it instead of me just building it for them and showing up with it? Here you go. Here's your present, E-N-T. How about we do it together, E-N-C-E? They came over with old clothes and old shoes and got paint all over themselves and had the best time. They learned how to use a saw. They learned how to use a drill. They learned how Pop does his, uh, his Craig jig. Those of you that know what I'm talking... Anyway. We had the best time because we made the day of it. See, David was generous with his time with his son. Engage in your children's activities. Saturday, we're at their house. By the way, I have a new grandson. Yeah. He's two. And he's got long golden flocks of hair. He's got floppy ears. Now, Jason's getting it now. Golden Retriever. His name is Rex. So we're over at the house and we're putting in one of those invisible things because we don't want Rex you know, to leave, right? We, he, he's now my grandson. And so um, we're doing all of that and we're about finished and we're sitting on the back patio and we are tired. You know, Michelle and I and Chris and Anna, we're tired. We're sitting there. The kids are having a blast on the trampoline. Adults on one end and kids on the other. What does Pop do? Takes off his shoes and gets in the trampoline with them. They were bouncing me all over the place. A 59-year-old man in a trampoline. I had the best time. We played a game where you got to close your eyes and you're bouncing everywhere and you're trying to tag somebody. It ain't easy, folks. 
They would tag me in like two seconds. It took me 30 minutes to find one of them. Finally, I'm like one eye open and one eye closed. There you are. Anyway, I know I'm getting off track. I got to end this message here, but it's about being generous with your time. Amen. Volunteering your help to help someone, maybe a neighbor, maybe at, at a um, at an organization here in town, calling up friends in the church and say, let's play some games. Let's get in the trampoline and play this game. Anyway, being there when a friend loses a loved one. That's time well spent. Again, we're talking about legacy. A friend calling you up saying, hey, let's go duck hunting. Cassie, I wasn't looking at you. <laughs> we used to duck hunt together all the time. And anyway, I'm not going to go there. I need my job. <laughs> I, I do have a job. I still have a job. For now. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I, I want to I uh, mention this to you. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Isn't that good? We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. So give your time. Listen, absence will end a legacy just like that. But being generous with your time will keep that legacy going. Number two, the second thing that he was generous with was his words. And I've got to be very quick here. In First Chronicles, in verse 28, uh, excuse me, chapter 28, David then said to Solomon, they had a lot of conversations, can you tell? The Lord showed me how this temple is to be built. But you must see that everything is done according to these plans. That's empowerment. Be confident and never be afraid of anything or get discouraged. That's encouragement to me. The Lord my God will help you, Solomon, do everything needed to finish the temple so it can be used for worshiping Him. The priests and the Levites have been assigned their duties and all the skilled workers are prepared to do their work. The people and their leaders will do anything you tell them. That's affirmation. Solomon, it's going to be a big job, but I believe in you. I believe you can do this. I'm going to give you what you need. I've already talked to the subcontractors. They're on board. You just got to text them and say, hey, OMG, get over here to the job site. You see, living a legacy, we got to be generous with our words. We got to empower people. We have to encourage people and we have to affirm them. When I called my dad, to let him know that I was changing careers. I was very nervous. Come from an engineering family. My dad was an engineer. My two brothers were engineers. I became an engineer. Hmm, I wonder what dad's going to say. I can tell you where I was in my backyard. It, was, it, it went like this. Dad, I got something to tell you before I could get anything else out. He said, son, I'm proud of you. Those words. Meant a lot to me. That's all I'm going to say. He wanted to know what I was going to be doing and who I was going to be working with and you know, he knew a little bit about the church. He actually came to a wild game, Pastor Brandon. I don't know if you remember that, but he came and he enjoyed himself. And he came to hear me preach for the very first time when I preached. And even that night, he said, son, I'm proud of you. I suggest we take an inventory of our speech, the way we handle ourselves, what we say, how we say it. Pastor Brandon alluded to this this past Sunday. I have a couple questions. Do you boss people or do you encourage? Do you speak life into people or do you speak negative into people? Do you tear down or do you build up? The third thing that David did that 
made him so generous is that he was generous with his resources. And let me just give you the Reader's Digest version. In First Chronicles chapter 29, he says this. David told the crowd. Now he's, he's transitioned from his son. Now he's talking to the crowd again. He says, hey, I have some information for you. Listen up, listen up, listen up. God chose my son Solomon to build the temple. More affirmation. But Solomon, he's a little young. He's a little inexperienced. That's okay. Then he says, this is not just any building. This is a temple for the Lord God. That's why I've done my best to get everything Solomon will need to build. it. Whatever he needs, he's going to get. I want him to be successful. He's going to need gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, onyx, turquoise, colored gems, all kinds of precious stones and marble. And look what he says. Besides doing all that, he says, I promised to give part of my own gold and silver as a way of showing my love for God's temple. Talk about giving resources. Almost 120 tons of my finest gold and over 250 tons of my silver will be used to decorate its walls and to make the gold and silver objects. Now, look what he says. Now, who else will show their dedication to the Lord by giving gifts for building this temple? He says, that's my son. I'm going to give him. Who else is on board? Anybody else? What a legacy. David gave of his resources. He said, Solomon, what's mine is yours. And like David said, anybody else out there? You know, when I think of resources, I immediately think of the 2016 flood. Some of you were part of that. You experienced it, but some of you actually came and helped and went out into our community. We had so many people give resources. Some people came and actually made lunches for the workers. Some people provided tools. Some people provided money to help people. Some people provided their own home to house people while they were going through so much devastation. When I think of resources, I think of just the practical things. Allowing somebody to borrow something from you. Not just going help them, but maybe, hey, whatever, what's mine is mine. Uh, what's mine is yours. Treating a friend to lunch. There are many things that we can do as far as giving of our resources. Amen. Giving of ourselves. Recently, we did some uh, a little demo job here in our old school uh, where we uh, we used to film our video announcements up above the sanctuary, but we moved that over to our old school and we had to demo some walls. You give a guy a hammer and he just goes berserk. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, they took down three walls in like an hour. It just went poof. But there was so much camaraderie. There's some in here that were part of it. There was so much camaraderie. We broke bread together. We laughed together. We worshiped together. They painted. But it was just coming together and giving of their resources. Amen. And they made it happen. Someone wrote that the gospel was Jesus's message, but legacy was his method. Think about that. We're here today because of legacy. Jesus poured into 12 men. And 12 men changed the world. Generation after generation after generation after generation. That's a legacy. So I want to close with this. What will your, your legacy be? You say, Rob, I've, I've had some rough patches like David. You may be in it right now. But can I offer you some hope tonight that you can do some things? Number one, you can 
make some adjustments. The A. The M is just simply move a little closer to God by doing some very practical things. You say, Rob, I don't know how to move to God. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to read my Bible. Listen, reading the Bible is, that's in my wheelhouse. So I just want to offer this to you. If you struggle reading your Bible, I would like to personally help you. Call me here at the church. By the way, remember, how many of you were here last week? I made a statement. I forget what it was, but I was getting words of knowledge about, I think it was starting a life group, if I'm not mistaken. Well, a lady took me up on, I said, hey, call me if you're having, if you're stuck in, in wanting to do something, a ministry or whatever. Well, she called me. I'm offering the same thing to you. If you're struggling with reading your Bible, I know what you're going through. I can help you. Other pastors can help you. People in our church can help you. But I would like to personally talk to you and help you so that you can establish more of a legacy and hear from God and move towards Him. Because for a lot of people, that, that's a hiccup. They, they don't know how to pray. They don't know how to... They, listen, attending church is, is... There's more to it, right? There's more to your spiritual journey. And so if you're struggling in an area with your spiritual uh, makeup, if, if, if you will, we want to help you. So I would just simply call me here at the church. We want you to start down a path of leaving a legacy. Whether it's people that you know, friends, or whether it's people in your family. I want to put up that definition once again. Doug, if you could put up that first definition of legacy. It's not leaving something for people. It's leaving something in people. What are you going to do on the next rainy day? I hope that you would take out your sword and go drink some raindrops. Amen. If you would, please stand. I think David's story and Solomon's story is it, it, it spoke to me and I hope it spoke to you. My intent was not to beat you up. My intent was just to bring some light to something that maybe we, we need to work on. And I think we could all say that we need to work on our legacy. And I pray that tonight you would just remember that acrostic AMG, adjust movement and generosity. Maybe one of those really stuck out. Maybe you've, you've done pretty well with your legacy. Help others. Amen. Be generous with your time with others and maybe show them. Look, we're not talking about money and property so much as legacy. We're just talking about what the next generation is going to inherit. And so I would hope that you would take this message and just maybe go chew on it. I have a men's group. Some young men, they're in their 20s and 30s. And I've already told them our next meeting, we're talking about this. So we're going we're gonna to take this to the next level. And help each other to establish and leave a legacy behind. Amen. Because there is a generation coming behind us. You say, my teenager? Yes. I hope you enjoyed the practicality of tonight's message. I hope you go home and, and maybe talk about it. 
I don't want you just to leave here and go, eh, that was okay. Check. See you Sunday. No. I hope that we could maybe apply some things that we learned tonight. Maybe a couple things we need to adjust. A couple things that we can uh, move closer to God with. Maybe a couple things we can do being more generous. Amen? Are y'all good? Close your eyes. Father, we thank You for this evening. We thank You that, Lord, what a legacy Jesus poured into the 12 disciples. Lord, we are a product of, of that legacy. And Lord, You've called us just to mirror what Jesus did. And so, Lord, I pray that tonight, that as we go home, as we leave, tomorrow, the next day, Lord, that we will begin on all-out pursuit on our legacy. Lord, I pray that You help us, You encourage us, that Your Spirit is alive and well in us. I pray that You bless Your people, that You encourage Your people, that You speak to Your people. In the mighty, wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I forgot to, to, to mention something. Remember I said earlier that sometimes people can get hung up with legacy because of unforgiveness, maybe some regrets. Well, there's a young lady in the church who approached me about a week or two ago. She attended a prayer meeting that I led during prayer and fasting. And I had a word of knowledge on forgiveness and just, I, I didn't men, mention much about it. I just said, you need to deal with it and go, go deal with it is what the Lord told me to, to share with the people. Well, the Lord began dealing with her at that prayer meeting so much that when she left, she went and dealt with it. She got delivered and set free. And it's little things like that that help us with our legacy. Amen? And so I just wanted to include that. I forgot to include it in the message, but it's important that we work on our legacy. Will y'all agree? Well, listen, thank y'all for coming. It's 8 o'clock. I'm out of time. Uh, bless you guys. We'll see you Sunday.